It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays, presented to you by Film Seizure. You can catch new episodes of Film Seizure with myself and Jason Oliver on Wednesdays, but Mondays are for me to talk about monster movies. The moratorium is lifted, so this means Godzilla raids again. After the 1954 Japanese release of Godzilla, or Gajira if you want to be that guy to get me on a technicality, Toho, the production company behind just about every great monster outside of King Kong, decided a sequel must be ordered immediately. How immediately was it ordered? Well, how does two weeks after the release of the original sound? Yeah, after seeing how the response was to Gojira, executive producer Iwamori decided it had to happen while the fire still burned with audiences. He told producer Tomoyuki Tanaka to get that sequel made ASAP. Sadly, Ishiro Honda was not available as he was making another movie at the time, so they turned the film over to Motoyoshi Oda. And this didn't quite have the effect Mori hoped for. In hindsight, many believe they should have just waited for Honda to finish the film he was working on to direct the sequel. But fearing a loss of excitement and momentum, Godzilla Raids Again hit theaters less than six months after the first film. While there was some moderate success with a total of more than 8 million tickets sold, it was still considered a much, much lesser film and a lesser popularity than the original. And by the way, the tickets sold is how Japanese box office is determined. Uh, Tickets sold being the measure as opposed to the money receded in most of the rest of the world. In fact, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if the release of Godzilla Raids Again had an effect and pushed the original out of some theaters considering it came out only about five to six months after the original did. So there was a a legitimate attempt to cash in on the excitement that the original had, but it may have also soured that a little bit as well. But anyway, with the rush production, the lack of Honda at the helm, and the general lack of excitement from just about anyone in Japan, including Toho Productions themselves, it nearly ended Big G's big screen ride. It would be seven whole years before Toho would release another Godzilla movie after this. Interestingly, Godzilla Raids Again was released a full year ahead of the release of Godzilla King of the Monsters was in America. Of course, that movie was popular over here, and when the ability to import Raids Again came up, it was bought up and it got released in the U.S. in 1959. However, somehow, the American ideas around Godzilla Raids Again kind of suck more than the Rush Japanese production. For example, the American producers who picked up the distribution rights from Toho, of which there were five of them, I might add, tried to scrub the entire plot to rebuild it with an entirely American story. This wasn't Godzilla and Angris fighting in this movie. They were, upon first pass of the script, the volcano monsters. Then it was decided that they should be actual dinosaurs, and Godzilla's atomic breath would be removed with new shots inserted of claws swiping and downing jets. Eventually, a new financier, as well as a couple of the original producers who bought up the rights, decided to screw all this attempt to try to make a new film out of the footage. They were simply going to just overdub the film as it was. However, this does lead to a really hilarious attempt by producer Paul Schreibman 
to try to convince audiences that this was not Godzilla. This is because the movie would be released with the notably lackluster and silly name Gigantus the Fire Monster. Apparently, audiences thought that this Gigantus guy looked an awful lot like Godzilla. And Schreibman would swear this is a different, all-new monster because, duh, Godzilla was killed by the oxygen destroyer in the first movie. He even told reporters once that the original film was named Angerous, the original Godzilla film was named Angerous, to push that narrative that this was not the same creature. And he kind of failed. And by kind of, it was basically utterly failed. Most of the people who saw Godzilla knew that Godzilla Raids Again or this Gigantus the Fire Monster was a sequel. This film ultimately in the United States and in North America played a twin bill with teenagers from outer space, which is not a great movie. At some point later, the distribution ran out in America as rights reverted to one of those producers who bought the rights from Toho only for him to not have any real desire to sell rights to theaters or TV. And this film became sort of a lost movie until Toho regained the rights in the 80s and finally got the original name put back onto the film and really just kind of put it back into its proper place in the series. Now, despite this being one of the big-time lesser movies of the whole history of the Godzilla franchise, there is one really important thing this introduced, a rival monster that Godzilla shares the screen time with. Angris is the little spiky rival in this film, but more on him in a little bit. Our sequel opens with two pilots, Tsukioka and Kobayashi, who fly for a cannery and fishing company, and they fly around looking for schools of tuna. Tsukioka's plane has an issue, and he lands near Iwato Island. When Kobayashi lands to recover him they come across two creatures godzilla or at least a godzilla from the same species as what terrorized tokyo the year before and a four-legged spiky backed creature that is ultimately named Angris, and they are locked in combat on this island it's conjectured that both godzilla and Angris were awakened by nuclear testing that went on near the island and probably the same testing that awoke the first godzilla Basically, if Godzilla is something related or at least similar to a Tyrannosaurus rex, then this Angris creature is clearly an offshoot of the Ankylosaurus. Either way, Godzilla and Angris were obviously old-time enemies from prehistoric times. I mean, clearly. I think it started with Godzilla pantsing Angris, then Angris said something about Godzilla's mom, and that was it. These guys have fought for millions of years since. Now, there's a bit of an issue with this being another Godzilla. Remember, in the first movie, conventional weapons were unable to kill the big guy. In fact, the only thing that was useful was a crazy dangerous oxygen destroyer bomb. Dr. Sarazawa used it to stop that Godzilla, but he also died in the process, and oopsie-daisy, he made sure there was no way anyone could get his formula for this potential superweapon. Oh, and to throw another giant monster into the fray now, all they can really do is figure out where Godzilla and Angris will make landfall and then try to use some flares to lure them away. Considering Godzilla seemed to be somewhat sensitive to light, 
that is really their only hope and their only plan. Now, Godzilla, though, isn't so interested in being as easy to predict as the government and scientists would like. He seemed to be headed directly toward Osaka and or Kobe, but then unexpectedly changed course. When people of those towns started breathing a sigh of relief and life returning to normal, but then all of a sudden Godzilla's course shifts again and brings them right back to Osaka. The flares do seem to do the trick as the city shuts down all the power and lights and the Air Force launches the flares that really do work in holding Godzilla off from making landfall. However, there's a group of escaped convicts that take off through Osaka. What does that have to do with anything? Well, in the course of this high-speed chase, they wreck through the, through the gates of a refinery and smash right into it. The explosion from their car lights up the sky brighter than those flares can, and Godzilla is drawn directly to Osaka. Now, Godzilla lands first, but Angris is soon to follow. The beasties have a big-ass fight in Osaka that messes up a good part of the town. It's a fairly awesome knockdown dragout fight. The fight scene takes up several minutes, but Godzilla eventually finishes off Angris when he bites the little guy's throat and then throws him off a cliff leading out to sea and then tortures him with his atomic breath. Now, with Angris defeated, Godzilla does leave Osaka, but the city is completely destroyed and on fire. We continue to follow the pilots, Sukioka and Kobayashi, as well as Hadimi, which is Sukioka's fiance, as their company is shifted to a new headquarters with Osaka basically a pile of rubble. Kobayashi was escorting a fishing boat for the company when he's called to a company party, and there they learn Godzilla eventually destroys that fishing boat that Kobayashi was, was escorting. This leads to Kobayashi and Sukioka going on a hunt for Godzilla. Sukioka, who has who was an army pilot during the war, hops in a fighter eventually and plans to assist after Kobayashi tracks Godzilla on an icy island. Now, Sukioka and the Air Force try to bomb Godzilla but ultimately fail. And Kobayashi is unfortunately killed trying to stop Godzilla from escaping into the water again. Eventually, Sukioka and the Air Force bombs the island and traps Godzilla in ice and snow, putting the creature and the franchise in deep freeze for a little while. So let's talk about my three things that I like about Godzilla Raids again. While the movie is not a particularly great example of what makes Godzilla great, I can still find some things to like about this. First, I have to say that while a lot of the existential threat of having to deal with an unstoppable attack is missing here compared to the original, there is one kind of haunting scene that does conjure up some of that feeling from the previous film. Everybody thinks Godzilla will land at Osaka or Kobe, but then he changes course. What do we see next? We see a ritzy dinner where people are dancing to a love ballad sung by a female lounge singer. There is no dialogue between the characters, but we see Sokiaka and his girlfriend, Hidimi, dancing and looking lovingly at each other while 
this is while this really pretty song is being played, it's haunting because we know we know Godzilla will be coming back to Osaka, but the people of that city are trying to go about their lives like everything is fine. It's scary in a slightly different way because how do you be normal when there is a real threat of that attack? Just because the monster decided to go another way, that doesn't mean that either A, the monster isn't going to land somewhere else and kill a bunch of people in another city, or B, just decide to come back and land at your city anyway. The simple attempt to go back to normal at this dinner date and dancing you know this dance hall just feels haunting and it feels like it like a haunted way of living and it's really kind of it, it, in some ways it is kind of terrifying and it makes you feel kind of sad for these people now second i do appreciate that there is at least some continuity in this movie that connects to the first film continuity is not something the godzilla movies are particularly well known for in fact in later movies they are constantly just sequelizing the original film and not working off anything that may have been released just the year before in this movie the people tasked with dealing with godzilla are actually legitimately trying to do what is necessary based on what they learned from the previous attack it's just made worse by Angras and those escaped convicts whose fiery deaths brought godzilla right into the city and lastly, I really like Angris. Even though he died in this movie, another version of Angris will return to the series later in the 60s and 70s, but as a friend to Godzilla, not a rival. In Godzilla vs. Gigan and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Angris is a bit of a sidekick. He's a cool design with spikes all over his back and nose, and, uh, but the poor guy is constantly getting beat up. What's worse for the dude is that he doesn't just get beat up by Godzilla in this movie. Not only does he get his neck bitten all to hell, but he gets tossed into the sea and Godzilla roasts him like so much Arby's. I mean, the dude gets a bad in this. So that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Until next week, I'll see you later. And don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com, as well as places where fine podcasts are found like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can also check out new posts at my website, BMovieEnema.com, each and every Friday.